Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back into the One Health Podcast. I'm your host, Tori Schmelzer. I'm a fitness entrepreneur and a fitness enthusiast. My goal each week is to share the knowledge I gather through meeting industry experts with as many people as I can. For those of you who are new to the show, each week we are going to be bringing on different experts in areas of health. So that could be mental health, professional health, spiritual health, physical health, you name it. We cover it. We don't claim to be experts on any of these subjects. We just know the people who are, and we interview them for the greater good. Thanks again for all of the love and support on our social media. For anyone that's taken time to hop on and leave us a review on the iTunes store there, we really do appreciate that. That really does help us in the ranking so we can reach as many people as we can, which is the goal of this show. This is why we started all this. So if you haven't yet, do us a favor Go on that little purple podcast app on your phone, find One Health Podcasts, scroll down, and they have a little section on there where you can leave us a review. Make sure you guys go leave us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate that. And again, a really special thanks to our sponsors, Eco Gym. They are now offering a really, really, really cool new group fitness class called Surge. If you guys live in the Chicago area, and you have the opportunity to stop by one of these clubs, you guys got to go do this. I'm personally taking it three days a week, and it has truly changed the way that I work out. I've seen some awesome results. Um, and for those of you who have been longtime listeners of the show, you know that 2019, I kind of recommitted myself to getting back in shape, and it's working. So make sure you guys go check that out. The first week of classes is on them. It will be totally complimentary. Trust me, go there, take it. You guys are going to love that. Today on the show... We have Mr. Abraham Villegas from the medical cannabis community. Abraham, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. and happy to be here. Yeah, man. Thanks for being on. Um, so just a little bit of background on Abraham. Um, he's a father, husband, digital agency owner, and founder of the medical cannabis community, a media-based company focused on expanding access to cannabis through community development, educational multimedia content, and market research. With experience in cannabis sales and marketing, he combines his expertise, knowledge, and passion to identify effective ways to help bring people together and build long-lasting relationships in a meaningful way. Did I do good? Was that a good part of your bio there? Fantastic. (laughs) said it better than I could. Um, So yeah, man, thanks for taking the time. Um, I was introduced to you through a... um, through another professional in the Chamber of Commerce community. And um, I'm really glad because this is a subject that a lot of people are interested in. I'm going to say that it's become less and less taboo to talk about. It's becoming more mainstream. And there are just so many health benefits um, to this. So I'm really glad I was able to have you on. Absolutely. It's definitely gotten a lot less weirder than from when I first started. That's for sure. Yeah. How many years How many years ago did you start? Did you get into it? For now. Uh, and when I was at the point where I had made the decision to publicly come out and, and support cannabis, uh, to me, I felt like I was committing career suicide. And so I can only imagine <laughs> what other people who have been advocating for this medicine and plant Far longer than, than I have probably even been around, you know, how they must have felt to sort of uh, take that initiative to basically uh, risk outcasting themselves to the public to advocate for something like this. Yeah. How how did you personally get into the industry? Like, what were you doing before? 
That's a good question. Uh, my experience has basically always been in cannabis, not cannabis, uh, sales and advertising. I basically grew up as a entrepreneur selling stuff since the age that I was eight. Uh, and through that entrepreneurial career, I've always had an interest in, in cannabis. I used it recreationally in, in high school and in through college. And for me, it always had much more of a difference than what people reported recreational cannabis to have. And so for me, cannabis always helped me feel better. It helped me feel more normal. And it helped reduce a lot of the, the stress that comes with managing the daily aspects of life. And so for me, I can say that I've personally benefited from cannabis by having it allow me to live a much more normal life. Okay. That said, um, I was working at a small marketing agency, and with my interest having been in cannabis around 2013, I was graduating college, and I was getting ready to make some more uh, transitions into my career. And so in working for a small digital marketing agency, I had seen the opportunity to uh, go west and find some opportunities in my career field in other states that uh, were further along in, in cannabis, such as California and, and Colorado. And so I had made the, the trek to Colorado, visited places to find somewhere to live, and I was making the, the steps that were necessary to basically pack up our, our life and, and move out there. And prior to that, I had started volunteering with an agency in California that was already servicing some of these clients in the recreational space. And so I volunteered to basically get experience under my belt and get my feet wet and see what that was all about. Uh, fortunately for me, right around that time frame in 2013, I found out that Illinois was starting its own medical program. And so instead of uprooting my family and all of our stuff to Colorado or California, we decided to stick around and see how that would play out. And through that period, I was looking for more information on how to learn more about cannabis and how to really start taking this in on uh, another level. And I looked out in the resources and places that I know how, which for me was oftentimes community forums. And I wasn't able to find what I was looking for. I found a lot of groups with like dank memes and massive bong rips and, you know, that, that's awesome and great and entertaining, but yeah. th it wasn't the substance that I was looking mm -hmm. for. And so I was fortunate to find a small group of people who were advocating and raising awareness for the Illinois program specifically. And I reached out to them to, to help and offer my knowledge, expertise, and, and support to see if we could grow this a little further and, and make a little bit more impact. And mm -hmm. Uh, fortunately, in the few months that we were working together, we were able to take that group from about like 300 members to closer to 3,000, and then oh. Facebook shut it down. And really? right around that time frame, uh, a lot of other pages and groups and anything cannabis-related was getting swept up on Facebook because it wasn't in compliance with the rules and regulations of the program. And so because the group was set up simply as a group with no intention for like compliance, Facebook saw that it wasn't complying with the platform and they sweeped it. And so the the original people uh, who started, who are now like my lifelong friends, 
um, they didn't want to sort of pick up the pieces and have to restart all over and be in it for the long run of having to run the risk that at any moment, all of the work that we do mm-hmm. can get taken down and, and there's no repercussion. There, there's no uh, legitimate appeal process to this. Yeah. We don't even own any of those groups or, or domains. Facebook does. Mm-hmm. And so we're really at the mercy of these social media platforms to be able to operate in their space to be able to try and, and help people. And so when the, that group got taken down, all of this in, in conjunction with where I was at in in my career, it lit more of a fire and motivation to, to push further into this. And so I, I started looking at employment opportunities here in Illinois. I was fortunate to be able to do some consulting with a couple of the dispensaries and, and companies who were opening up in, in the state of Illinois and eventually ended up taking a job uh, with one of the largest cannabis producers and operator here in, in, in the state. I was able to help grow their online presence in in multiple states, help them uh, uh, connect with a number of patients. And at the same time, when in developing these online groups and communities, I started to see that there was a real need for what we were doing, mm-hmm. not just in the state of Illinois, but as well as in other states and other countries. And very quickly, I realized this is really a global problem that that people have in not being able to adequately access something that has so many benefits and so few downsides to it that the most dangerous thing about cannabis is getting caught with it by law enforcement officials. Yeah. yeah. So it's so funny that you said this about Facebook because, <laughs> and I hope they don't pull me down for saying this, but uh, you know, us in the fitness industry, it's funny, they're cracking down on the fitness industry really, really hard, claiming that a lot of these people are making false claims and this and that, which there probably are a good handful of people out there that are making false claims and they should be shut down. But it is nearly impossible now for, I do a lot of our marketing uh, for the gym, it's nearly impossible for me to get our advertising out there without having to uh, appeal it three times and justify what I'm trying to do, even if it's something that's completely free and just I'm trying to help people. So that's really funny that you said that. <laughs> I'm sure you deal with it daily when you go to post something. Yes, having to to have the experience in both marketing, advertising, and, and cannabis, really what I specialized in was uh, Facebook ads. And so I know how to connect a lot of businesses and, and clients or customers together through Facebook ads, but for cannabis, this was always the most difficult industry mm-hmm. ever. And even though we had a lot of luck over these last few years, being able to get ads approved to grow our communities and get in front of people and advocate for for the causes that, that we're really fighting for, as an organization that's focused on education, awareness, and access – we still have so many hurdles to mm-hmm. to get through and, and jump through to get some of those ads approved. And we had success for a while, and but now it's gotten to the point where the face the platform is starting to crack down and, and really use everything from additional moderators to uh, what is it called artificial intelligence and uh, machine learning tools. And so it's it's uh, a growing battle being able to to compete with that. And for that reason. We moved away from the ads side of it and started focusing on other areas that we had more control of, such as creating content on our website and mm-hmm. facilitating research polls and studies from our platforms and sort of starting to bring this more more in-house. And so now we use the, the social media platforms as they're meant to be used, which is to um, use them as a vehicle to drive traffic 
back to our platforms rather than building our entire platforms on Facebook, knowing the risks that we run. Where, man, just last week, if, if not maybe like a week and a half ago, we lost one of our uh, Maryland cannabis community groups. And it had over 7,500 members in there who relied on it every single day for information, recommendations, networking and advocacy opportunities, events, finding doctors and all sorts of other needs and, and conversations that the people specifically went to that group for. And from one day to the next, Facebook uh, removed it. They deleted it, so they didn't even give us the chance to appeal the decision or remove any of the contents that they alleged was violating their, their community guidelines. They gave us no examples, and we got sent to a, a link where we submit an, an appeal, and they say, hey, thanks for sending. Somebody may take a look at it, and we may or may not respond, and we sent like 10 of those things, and we didn't ever hear a single word back, and so it, it's a, a very complicated process to the extent that even when we've managed to... Uh, connect and speak with real life representatives at Facebook. They basically tell us that their hands are tied. They're just doing their job and following orders, and really no one there knows what is going on. So it, it, for us, it's you know either deal with it or, or move on to to something else. And at this point, we're we're too far in to to do really anything else because we know the impact that we're making in our communities. So you were talking about hurdles uh, just a second ago. You're talking about hurdles. What are some of these hurdles, I guess, politically, that we need to get over to, I don't know, so like in Illinois here, for example, medical is legal. What are some of the hurdles that they have to get over to do this recreationally, um, you know, in our in our state here in Illinois, but as well as other states? What do you think some of the biggest hurdles are for them? In terms of political hurdles, what I've seen in conversations from our community is that there is a lot of anti-legalization lobbying from the police associations. And they are strongly against legalization for some of the common uh, points of conversation that they've brought up, such as an increase in DUI-related uh, cases and really the, the safety and concern for the general public. Uh, however, most, if not all of those uh, points of argument have either been debunked or explained with better data uh, in, in other states that have been able to measure, track, and interpret the progress of how these laws ultimately and actually end up impacting our, our society and our communities as a whole. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the, the biggest hurdle here in, in the state of Illinois is basically dissuading a lot of those concerns for for public safety and really being able to to show them that as one of the most regulated markets in the entire state illinois is probably one of the few states that is set up to to create a, a good example and and do it the right way and lead other uh, states who are looking to to legalize this as either a, a medicine or a recreational substance in their own states what do you think it would do for the economy here in Illinois if we were to legalize in Texas? Naturally, I expect that everybody sees that the economy would increase. Uh, in many other states, cannabis is bringing in millions of dollars in, in tax revenue. And from the current situation that our state is with its current budget, there's 
a lot of opportunity for, for us to be able to reinvest these resources from a commodity such as cannabis to be able to provide a much better opportunities for our infrastructure, our education, our healthcare, and other areas that, that obviously our merit poli- that Our attention. police department, our fire. Like, my whole thing is, what if... <laughs> What if the department got millions and millions of dollars in funding from taxes from this? I I think their tone would change a little bit. And I understand generally, you know, you become you become an officer, you become this and that. You know, you generally want to protect people and help people and keep them safe. That's why you do it in the first place. It just boggles my mind in some of these states that are struggling financially, and there are tons of them throughout the United States, where people are so hesitant to legalize this stuff when there is clear data from all the other states that have clear data, black and white, Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> here's here's the numbers. Here's the millions of dollars that are coming in. Here's what we're using it for. I just, I, is it? do you think it's like somewhat of an old school mentality with some of these people that are in office putting up all these roadblocks or... Or what? I just don't understand it. I, I hear you, man. I'm not a, a political expert my myself, but I don't think that we use the same factors that they do in, in yeah. being able to determine the logical reason, right? Because mm-hmm. as you said it, the, the data paints the exact picture of what I think everybody can agree with and what most people would come to, to general consensus. But I found in my small experience with politics is that things don't work that way yeah exactly that world and for that reason i am not a politician that's why you and i are not in that industry (laughs) exactly man um yeah so okay so aside from the financial benefits which i think we can all wrap our head around that let's talk about some of the medical benefits of this sure so that's one of the main reasons why i wanted you on the show um you know we read and we hear things and we listen to things um online but what are some of some of the big, big medical benefits that you're seeing in the industry as of late? That's a good question. I think the, the most common use that people consume cannabis, whether consciously or unconsciously, is, is for stress relief, right? It's the new form of being able to uh, wind down after a long day of work. It's, it's a replacement for uh, beer and for wine that typically people tend to have, you know, once they're uh, trying to relax and, and not worry about the daily things that, that cause stress in their life. And so for a lot of people being able to consume cannabis as a way to get a better sense of mental or emotional control is one of the, the largest unspoken benefits that I see in cannabis. Outside of that, a lot of people struggle with being able to sleep at night. And so uh, being able to, to microdose or, or take small uh, doses of cannabis allows them to be able to better regulate their sleep cycles, which in, in the long term, uh, you're able to feel well more rested. You have much more energy. Your metabolism works a lot better. And uh, at, at the end of the day, it's contributing to the larger picture of you know the, the full wellness spectrum that we're looking for as people. Uh, with that, it for some people, it helps increase focus uh, where, like me, myself, I usually have a million thoughts running through my mind. And there's always something that I feel that I need to be doing. And if I'm not doing it, I have that urge and it bites in the back of my head. And like, I can't get I'm rid of it. the same exact it, way. But <laughs> I, I, I have really to, right? <laughs> like, I, I have to t- turn off. And so for me, yeah. cannabis has been 
a great way for me to maybe not turn it off entirely, but to at least slow it down enough for me to be able to process that information and do something with it. And so uh, those are some of the, the most immediate benefits that I see. But of course, more importantly, Cannabis helps regulate your your body. It helps regulate your mood. It is used as a pain-reducing solution. Um, it is commonly known to be an antidepressant. It has anti-inflammatory um, properties. For some patients and individuals, it is used for weight management, whether it's for appetite uh, stimulation or for appetite suppressants, depending on which product and strain and how you use it. But in, in general, there's options to do you know, or go either way with cannabis, depending on what your personal goals or outcomes are that you are looking for. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, uh, finally, a lot of people are using cannabis for pharmaceutical replacements. As I mentioned a couple minutes ago, whether they're replacing beer, wine, alcohol, prescription pills, or anything else, I have found in our communities that thousands of patients report on a daily basis that they're no longer taking their uh, Lyrica or their Norcos or their Vicodin or any other number or or differentiating painkiller that they're pretty much on that we have seen has caused a lot of these people to go into a downward spiral where they end up having to take a pill for another pill and that one causes another side effect and then three to six years down the line they're taking 18 pills just to get out of bed and have breakfast in the morning Mm -hmm. oftentimes the pills are their breakfast yeah yeah it's funny i had a uh, a family member who had back issues for for forever and i'm telling you what man these painkillers are highly addictive and they are just not good for your system, right? And it, it, I don't know, I don't think it ever became an addiction, but there was a, there's a relying factor. Oh, I can't do this unless I take my Vicodin. Oh, I can't do this unless I take Oxy, whatever it is. Um, you know, it's my personal opinion that the more we can wean people off of that stuff and go a natural route, the better. Um, you know, we talk about it in our industry too. The more you can get off synthetic this or synthetic that and go more organic with things, it's better for your body. Um, so I, I, the pain thing especially was one. Now, I know that there are certain types of, I guess you could call it, balm that you can apply to like, you know, if you have like your, if you have tendonitis in your elbow, you can apply, um, you know, like a balm that has THC in it or something like that. What I want to know, this is one of my main questions, because I actually had to Google this the other day. I was so curious. You see CBD this, CBD that, and then you have THC. What is the difference between CBD and THC? And why is CBD legal and the THC stuff isn't? What's the difference? The main difference is, naturally, as you know, one is legal, one isn't. The, the reason that one is not legal, which would be THC, is because it is commonly known to be the psychoactive compound found in cannabis, which is what produces that euphoric feeling or what otherwise people refer to as, as being high. However, even though people believe that cannabis is... Uh, a psychoactive compound, really, it is an intoxicating compound. And so that is what separates it from CBD, whereas CBD, which is uh, cannabidiol, it is the non-intoxicating compound of cannabis. 
and realistically, THC and CBD are really just two out of over 100 different types of uh, cannabinoid compounds found in cannabis. And so those are really the only two ones that right now most people are talking about because that is the level of discovery that they've come into with cannabis. However, from like a, a scientific perspective, there's at least 10 other ones that are now starting to come more into light, such as uh, CBG, uh, CBN, THCV, and other variations between those um, structural compounds, but the rest have not really been discovered. And so there is room for a much wider conversation a couple of years down the line from where we are today, where once those cannabinoids are, are discovered, we'll have a much better picture of how exactly cannabis is, is able to, to help us. It's, it's just crazy to me, all the different things that you can use this for. Like I said, there is that balm that I found out about. I had a buddy who was using it for his tennis elbow. Um, and you see a lot of this in cancer patients, um, you know, as they're going through chemo. What do you think the main purpose that they're using it for would be? What I've seen in our communities is that a lot of people who suffer with cancer-related conditions use uh, cannabis to relieve the nausea, to relieve the dizziness, the, to reduce the feeling of always feeling sick. Uh, and those are the things that cause a lot of cancer patients to lose their appetite and not really want to eat. And so that comes with weight loss, and then that creates a whole other series of, of destructions inside the body. And so for them, they're using cannabis to try and not only bring relief to the symptoms that they're feeling, but to also try and stimulate their appetite so that they can eat and obtain the, the energy and nutrients that they need to be fighting this disease in, in the okay. first place. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I've, I've just I've seen a lot about that, read a lot about that. So I was just curious um, in our industry, in the fitness industry here, I there's this small percentage of people that are using cannabis um, like pre-workout style, like before. Do you think for them it's more of a, a focus thing or more of a, OK, well, if I do this, I won't feel um, you know, that burn as much. So I'll be able to do more sets. I, I, I'm, I'm just really curious if you've seen in your community or gotten feedback from that, because my experience in the past is that is the last thing that I want to do. If I'm taking these products, I don't want to go to the gym. I don't want to exercise. I don't want to do anything. So for me, you know, and there's people here at the gym, you know, that I've talked to that have done that and use and, and continue to do it. And they say it helps them. And I'm, I'm sitting here wondering, well, how is that possible? I, I hear you. Uh, I think it depends on the, the, the spectrum of the culture and intent that the people tend to fall under, right? We, we have the average consumer who uses cannabis for stress relief and, you know, reducing their anxiety and mild symptoms. Then you've got, you know, the, the athlete category who uses it more for performance and, and recovery. And then you have the, the cancer patients that you mentioned earlier who are, are not only uh, oftentimes trying to mitigate the symptoms that, that they're feeling, but for some patients who have serious forms of cancer, they're using concentrated uh, forms of, of cannabis oils in products that tend to come with a much heavier dose of the medicine. And so for them, rather than trying to use it for, for them to 
uh, put themselves into a euphoric state, what they're trying to do is help uh, fight some of the conditions or treat them more effectively. And so what we know within the health and wellness space is that people tend to use cannabis in cancer to help create the effect of apoptosis, which is basically uh, when the cancer cells destroy themselves and cannabis helps uh, create that response and that end that process in cancer cells. And so that is essentially the effect that most people are trying to achieve with cannabis and cancer because it has proven through the studies that it has the qualities and the potential to do that. It has not been uh, studied enough for federal reasons, which prevents us being able to get to that point and cross that bridge. But the data has been promising enough that there is more research that, that is starting to, to come about to figure out exactly how cannabis can help with, with cancer. Because we haven't gotten to the point where we can say that it cures it, even though you know yeah. th- it's a huge debate. You'll find people on, on both sides of the spectrum, and you can't deny either of them because they're not all wrong, but they're not all right, right? Like it's a it's a much more complicated picture, and so I think that based on where people fall on on that spectrum or culture, will differentiate how they view and consume the medicine and what outcomes they're looking to achieve with it. Okay, interesting. Um, as far as so you have you you mentioned before, there's different ways to consume. We haven't talked about edibles yet. So what are some things people need to know about edible THC versus the kind you smoke? What are the main differences that they need to be aware of? That's a very good question. And sorry, that, that we, might be a loaded question. No, no <laughs> we see this a lot in in in, in our groups. Often people, uh, patients come in and they either start with flower products or, or edibles or uh, other methods of, of administration, but the difference is mainly between the edibles and the smoking is the onset. So when you consume cannabis via dry flower or vaporization, you could take one or two pulls at either the device or drag on uh, the the pre-rolls, and within 10 to 15, maybe 20 minutes, you might start feeling some of those experiences. And so it's easier to to titrate and manage uh, those effects. Whereas with edibles, Oftentimes, people see a small cookie, a small gummy, and they tend to misjudge the size of the product and confuse its correlation with the strength that it often carries. And because it is processed differently through your liver, um, it has a much more sedative effect where it kind of creeps up on you a little slower. And so we have seen so many situations where people eat one, they don't feel nothing after 20, 30 minutes. They feel pretty confident. They feel like, you know, oh, they, they weigh 200 pounds or they're six foot tall or whatever excuse or justification that they want to make to themselves to feel like they could handle it. And <laughs> an hour later, the result, or honestly, sometimes even two hours later, the result is always the same. People end up feeling overwhelmed by the effects yeah. that they're feeling. And it is an uncomfortable experience to have if it's not something that you're used to and you don't know what to expect and you don't know how to ride that wave out and you know you're sitting in the the corner of a room crawling and uh crawling feeling like you want to throw up or you need water because the room is spinning and that that's what we would consider basically the closest thing to an overdose of of cannabis that exists but fortunately unlike most other prescription medications or or drugs or, or substances 
that's the worst thing that can probably happen to you when consuming cannabis. Whereas we know with other prescription medications, you can actually die or experience much more serious adverse side effects as a result of uh, consuming them. So I've read um, labels on black box prescriptions that say uh, one of the effects may be sudden death. It's like, what? Like, you're supposed to take this medicine that is supposed to help yeah. you, but it might also kill you. And so... That is one thing that we can say that, that cannabis does not have the, the same type of effect on people. So the moral of the story that I'm getting, and it's so funny that you brought that up because I went to Colorado a few years back and um, I don't think I had ever, yeah, I had never tried edibles before. And anyway, we went in, got some, and the guy told me to eat like five of these things because I weighed like 250 pounds at the time. And I looked at him and I'm like, five? He goes, yeah, you're a pretty big guy. You can, you know, you probably have five of them. I said, no, no, why don't I? So I got back to the hotel, ate one, hour goes by, didn't feel anything. Ate another one, still didn't feel anything a half hour later. So then I ate another one. And that exact thing happened <laughs> too much. So I guess me from personal experience, if I can share, wait 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 until you start feeling but it's funny you're right though your liver does process things differently it takes a while for that to make its way down your digestive tract and then to get into your system one other thing i want to ask you about i'm seeing people use these pens with the oil in them what's the main difference between those and just like grinding up some you know marijuana into a pipe and smoking it what's the difference between like the thc oil like that versus smoking it the like traditional way i guess you could say there's a couple differences that that i'm aware of first obviously you're avoiding the combustion in in some of the pens where you don't need actual fire to to light the the flower products and so you you avoid some of the carcinogens that are created when you're burning dry flour compared to heating up the oils inside of the the vape pen with the uh, vaporization or concentration products and naturally they tend to be a bit stronger because it is the more concentrated form and so you're, you're basically taking all of the good stuff out of the the flour packing it down into a much smaller product that is easier and more discreet to, to be able to deliver okay. to the end consumer. And then you basically end up throwing the rest of the, the actual material product, which is the, the flour, the, the, the chlorophyll that's inside the plants, and all of the stuff that you generally wouldn't want to consume if, if you absolutely don't need to. How, how do they get it down into that oil? What do they do? Like compress it and steam it? Like, do you know that process? of how it actually becomes just the oil like that? There, there's a couple different ways um, that they're extracted, but oftentimes, uh, at least what we previously saw in the industry, is that many of these oils uh, were being mixed with uh, propylene glycol, uh, PEG, uh, VG, which is uh, vegetable glycerin, and other types of substances that help make it more liquidy. So that when you move the pen in, in different directions, it actually flows into the proper chamber that you needed for it to, to ignite and combust. Uh, but we're starting to see a shift uh, away from using those different types of substances in, in the pens. And we're seeing people start using more of like the, the straight distillates or uh, 
terpene-infused products, which is supposed to be a much more uh, natural product that doesn't involve all of these additional additives that tend to come with the traditional types of vape pens and products that previously existed on the market. And so okay. more people are starting to move toward uh, the the products that are free of those substances while at the same time still are able to deliver that quality and experience that consumers are looking for. Got it. So you came more prepared than any guest I've ever had with a bunch of notes here. <laughs> I, I like I, to talk about cannabis. I, I want to know, is there anything else on this sheet of paper that you want to share with us? Because this is an industry that I hardly know anything about. So for me, coming up with different questions, I was just coming up, you know, off the top of my head with some some frequently asked questions that I hear and stuff like that. What else What else do you want to share based on these products? There's a ton of different ways that, that we can go, man. What I did was I outlined some of the different myths that, that exist in, in the cannabis industry. What are some of the common stigmas that, that we see? Uh, we talked about dry flower and edibles, but there's at least 10 different other ways to to be able to consume cannabis yeah. products, whether it is uh, them using it as a patch, a salve, a lotion, a suppository, a tincture, different types of vaporization products. There's, of course, the edibles. And then now what's getting more popular is people are wanting to cook with their own uh, products and make their own creations. Yeah. And so we're, we're starting to see a variety of different uh, products and delivery methods that, that are available. Nasal one, nasal sprays. That is one of the cool ones. That, That's crazy. That is, I didn't even know that existed. Oh man, it, it's uh, not commonly known, but it's starting to come into many of these markets where uh, patients who deal and suffer from conditions or symptoms related to epilepsy, autism, um, TBIs, and other types of behavioral disorders. They're finding a lot of uh, benefit and medical efficacy from the intranasal delivery system because, for example, with uh, children or, or patients with epilepsy, when they go into a grand mal seizure, there's oftentimes very little things that you can do to help the, the patient you know, who's currently going through that tragic experience. And so um, one of the, the nasal products can be used on those individual patients to squirt one or two doses into their nose. And within that, that first minute time frame, you can see the effects of the seizure starts to subside wow. and allows the, the patients to come back into a normal state where they're conscious and they can basically go back to feeling that their normal effects. And so this product, uh, more interestingly, is one that is not available in a lot of markets, but we've been personally working to raise more awareness and expand that. And here in Illinois, we're actually getting ready to launch that, that specific uh, nasal spray delivery product that's going to open up a lot of access and options for patients who fall under the categories that we described that previously didn't have access to these types of medications and delivery systems. I watched a documentary on Netflix one time about this family who... Um, and this is years ago. This is like five or six years ago. This family had moved multiple times to get medical marijuana for their child who had seizures. And it was such an interesting documentary to see the effects that this had on these people's kids. And they were getting a lot of pushback from friends and family, a lot of criticism saying, oh, you're like just drugging your kid. This is this is stupid. You're just drugging your kid. But the kid literally, 
almost stopped having seizures. The the kid would have like, I forget what it was. It was like 15 seizures a day down to like one. And then it started to get to where it was like one, maybe every other day. So yeah, I just, I find that fascinating that people are still like, oh, you guys are stupid. Why are you treating your kid like this? You're just drugging your kid. Um, and I think that's one of the, uh, one of the myths, one of the stigmas is, um, you know, you had on here, you had on here, what is it? Laziness. I now know that there are different strands that give you energy and help you stay focused. So I find that amazing. People just, they, they see that, um, what is it? That old movie with Matthew McConaughey in it where he's just like, yeah, man, cool. And everybody's just super <laughs> laid back. But it's funny. I meet more and more people on a daily basis that do this and they're, they can be laser focused at work on these things. So I find that fascinating. That's a really cool thing. Um, what else did you have on this list here? You had bath bombs. Bath bombs are one of the newer products that we're starting to see people use and, and have some success with for either uh, sh- stress relief, or relaxation, or just a general sense of, of well-being. Wow. They're infusing it into uh, salts and being able to, to create bats out of it. And so there's uh, a large number of different applications that are coming to the market, and those are obviously inspired by the innovation that comes with criminalizing something that should be available to the whole world. Yeah. I see you have, they're using this to treat um, CTE. Yes. As here in the, the health and wellness and in the sports industry, athletes are using it to treat uh, both traumatic injuries as well as um, CTE for their their football players, hockey players, uh, boxers, and, and general athletes who are, who are used to taking uh, a couple hits to, to the face and, and punches in other areas that, that obviously are causing a lot of internal damage in, in these professionals. This is crazy. And it's funny, you know, the NFL has um, come out against it, and, you know, it's illegal there. And you see these football players that are continually getting in trouble for it over and over and over and um it's it's almost a shame you know i watch it and there was one guy who, what's his name josh gordon i think yep. played on the browns uh and then went to the patriots continually got in trouble for this stuff and you know you look at it from you know uh uh avid football watcher myself and you just see Oh, here's this guy. He just he's getting in trouble. He's been around this his whole life. He's just smoking. Why can't he get his life together? But at some point, I started to wonder as I'm watching this over the years, this guy must really need these products to help him get through the day. And you talk about stress. There's so many people that are looking for an alternative to these pills from the pharmaceutical industry. And I think the sooner we can get this legalized and out there. I, I just, I really do believe that the good outweighs the bad with this stuff. And I know some people might argue with me on that, but I think it's so important to get away from those, you know, synthetic pills and stuff like that. Absolutely. I think what it comes down to is being able to shift your mindset with help from cannabis. Cannabis has a really great way of 
helping you challenge the, the questions and perspectives that, that you previously thought existed. And it definitely makes you think deeper and, and figure out, you know, what those priorities and, and meanings are for you specifically. And that, that's one of the beautiful things about cannabis is that it has a lot of different meanings and, and context for people based on where they're coming from and who they are and what they're looking to achieve with cannabis specifically. So if I'm, I always like to wrap up the show with some advice. So you're the expert in the industry. If I am dealing with some of these symptoms and I'm looking into going the medical marijuana route or the recreational marijuana route, wherever I live in the country, we got listeners from all over the country here. What are the first things that I need to do? What are the first steps that I need to take to look into medical marijuana? In your opinion. For starters, I would definitely say find a, a community or support group to, to help you through that process. The, the main thing that we saw and found from a lot of the people who have come into our communities is that prior to found have, having found us, they were lost. They didn't know who to ask. They didn't know what questions to begin with. They didn't even know where to look or what the product entailed. They had absolutely no idea about cannabis. They just knew that they heard it on TV. They were told something by by a friend. They got some glimpse or exposure into this industry in in, in their own way, and you know that that's what kind of prompted that that curiosity that they had to inspire them enough to want to take action and, and find out more. But surround yourself around other people who have that experience or who can point you in the right direction because there is a lot to learn when, when it comes to cannabis. I've been doing this for several years now. I still don't consider myself an expert simply because I'm learning so much about it every single day from mm-hmm. the, the science to the legal to the, the social aspects of this. There is a lot to it more than what any of us can really see or expect. And for that reason, I, I've considered myself a, a student of, of this industry because every single day there, there's something new that we continue to discover. There's always different challenges and obstacles that remind us why we're advocating for this in, in the first place. And, and there is absolutely a, a large number of opportunities for us to continue to explore as we continue to build and develop what this industry is, is going to become and what we want to see out of it. That's awesome. So do your research, look for these support groups. What if people want to find out more about you and your organization and what you guys are doing, where can they go to do that? They could find our website at themedicalcannabiscommunity.org. It is a long website URL, but that is right <laughs> now the the platform that, that we've been able to secure it was the name that, that they were able to uh, get us outside of like a, a, a .com. But from there, people can find all of the things that we do from our, our videos uh, and, and commercials and, and documentaries uh, and, and our educational blogs all the way to our actual groups and, and community um, support environments that we have available for patients who are looking for everything from information to connections with others to resources for them to how to get a card, find a doctor, connect with the dispensary, what products to choose. Uh, and really any other needs that, that they tend to have. What we've become is uh, in a, a large entity where people can find all of the information that they're looking for. Even though our, our intention and goal started with just trying to, to help patients you know, figure out and, and live a better life, our, our new mission and, and purpose has become to simply help connect all of the people 
in the cannabis industry who are, who are looking to connect with one another for different types of purposes or, or experiences. We, we get a lot of interest from now, not only the, the consumers, but from businesses who want to be more ingrained in, in the communities, from the doctors who are trying to learn more about the patients that they're serving, from the, the lawmakers and state representatives and senators who are trying to get a better understanding of how this substance affects their communities and, and their states. And so we have a lot of different stakeholders uh, who are interested and invested into our communities because of the type of value that it is able to provide for a large number of people. And so I would recommend that people definitely find us there. We're most active on, on Facebook and we're spreading into to other platforms, but I, I don't think that we're going away anytime soon. I love it, man. I love what you guys are doing to educate people on this. Um, I think, you know, one of the reasons we started this podcast was education. And I just want to commend you on that, man. I think you guys are doing fantastic against all odds. You've been shut down. You still, you know, you kept your head down. You kept your eye on the prize and you guys are moving forward. So I think it's huge. We're going to do whatever we can to support you guys in this, whatever it is. I'll make sure that we link up you guys in the Facebook post, the Instagram post, so people can find you guys. I'll make sure I do that. Um, yeah, man. Thanks again for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you so much for, for having me. I always enjoy any opportunity to be able to talk with people about cannabis and, and share the, the truths behind it that we have found. Amazing. Amazing. Well, hey, guys, thanks again for joining us for another week. Again, make sure you guys go to ecogymworldwide.com. Check them out. Get your week of free classes. Get in there. Um, until next week, thanks again. <laughs>